Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, why are so many department stores closing? Ben Kyle of the band Romantica on how a battle with Lyme disease almost pulled the plug on his music and the Minnesota Vikings off-season workouts. But first, the fight against gun violence took center stage at the state capitol again this week and MNN's Bill Warner joins us with the recap. Scott, what prompted another round of demonstrations and debate was a 24-hour sit-in on the Minnesota House floor by Apple Valley Democrat Aaron May Quaid, who's trying to convince Republicans to move forward on controversial gun measures, including universal background checks. We have done nothing. And so I don't know what else to do except sit here on this floor and tell the stories of the victims and survivors of gun violence who deserve to have their stories told in this chamber. Part of being here is, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable on the floor and it's uncomfortable to stay up for 24 hours. That's the point. This isn't just 24 hours of doing the same thing I always do, just in a different place. I'm sitting here with the stories of survivors and victims. I'm sitting here being uncomfortable and sitting in that discomfort. The students who did the walkout in my district, um, I attended, they were chanting, hear us now. I hear them. I'm listening. And that's part of the reason why I'm here today. A number of lawmakers stopped by during May Quaid's sit-in to show their support. And as the hours ticked by, protesters showed up. Too. We represent the 90%! Minnesotans want change. We want our children and our families safe. This whole thing is stuck here. They're not doing anything on these bills. Are you folks going to be back and back and back as we get to end the session? As long as we need to be. That's Ellen Teutschler from St. Paul. Lauren Morse went, a deacon at Edina Community Lutheran Church, says. This is the people's house, and the people will keep showing up until all of our children are safe, and that will happen through criminal background checks and stricter gun laws. And if they don't uh, pass these bills this session, are there going to be repercussions this fall at the polls? There certainly will be where I vote. Meanwhile, on the House floor... I am grateful for Representative May Quaid's willingness to sit in this chamber overnight to give those voices power inside this chamber. St. Paul Democrat and candidate for Governor Aaron Murphy. House Republican Majority Leader Joyce Pepin responded, there is still time in the legislative session, and she says both sides can work together and see what comes forward. I don't think, though, that suspending the rules on some bills that haven't made it through the committee process, I don't think this is the appropriate action to take to get them forward. We talked with May Quaid as she neared the 24-hour mark of her sit-in. The marches, the walkouts, the protests, the demonstrations, the calls, the letters, the rallies. We've had more demonstrations in the last month on those steps and we've had votes in this house all year, and that's not okay. Um, I did not know what else to do. Staying up all night, does this kind of put some of these things into focus for you even more? I mean, I sat here in this chamber where we make the policies and laws that Minnesotans live by for 24 hours staring at reason is the life of law. And we are here to do really serious work. You look up at the ceiling and you feel the history here. There should be a way that this body can respond to the wants and needs of the state, especially when it's as high as it is in support for background checks, especially when it's as high as it is for extreme risk protective orders. These are lives. These are people's lives. The stories I was telling on the floor, these are... I, I missed my wife last night. I wish I could have been home with her. And that was one night. There are people who lost their loved ones forever, and we could do something, and we have not done anything. And that's not okay.
Whether it was prompted by May Quaid's sit-in is open to conjecture, but Republican House Speaker Kurt Dowd this week left the door open to possible committee hearings yet this session on some form of a background check bill. I know there are ongoing conversations um, kind of behind the scenes between members who are trying to work to, to find uh, consensus on, on uh, solutions that will really help uh, reduce putting uh, you know guns in the hands of uh, potentially dangerous criminals. I think we all share that goal, and um, I know that those conversations are happening. I, I expect uh, or I hope that those conversations can be fruitful and we can find uh, some legislation that can get support of, of the, the legislature. Can you give us when do you think we might see something? You know, I, I don't really know. I know those conversations uh, are ongoing and uh, many members in the chamber are concerned about making sure we keep our school kids safe. So uh, we applaud them for the work they're doing on that. I have many conversations myself about that. And what about the criminal background check and so-called red flag bills specifically? Those bills have been discussed in, in public hearings. Uh, they did not have enough support in their current format to get enough votes to get out of committee. But, um, you know, I think those conversations are continuing and um, those could be bills that could come forward. I think probably uh, based on the fact that they didn't earn the support to get out of committee, they probably would need some changes um, to get out. But uh, if, if they have support, they'll get here to the floor and they'll get voted out of this chamber. Governor Mark Day says about Speaker Doubt's statement. I take him at his word. I welcome that change uh, on his part, and I hope uh, they both both bodies see that, see that through. Uh, these issues really mu must have uh, public floor debates so that uh, everybody can see where people are, roll call votes, and uh, I think as elected representatives of people on a matter of this great importance, that they uh, have that responsibility to, to do so, and I, it seems that that's possible. I applaud that. Meanwhile, St. Louis Park Democratic Senator Ron Latz proposed a compromise on background checks. The state's existing permit-to-purchase law would be extended to private sales of pistols and assault weapons. This avoids the specter that has been raised by uh, gun owners and their advocates of a registry. Lance says information about gun sales would only be accessible to law enforcement by court order involving a criminal investigation. Well, Scott, there appear to be a lot of efforts at the Capitol to try to break something free on some sort of gun regulation this legislative session. We'll see if there's any success in the remaining three weeks before the legislature must adjourn. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Major retailers that once dominated with brick-and-mortar stores seem to be closing their doors for good, the most recent example being Herberger's. So what's driving these closures? MN's Tasha Radel takes a closer look. The retail landscape continues to change as more and more brick-and-mortar stores close, the latest Herberger's. Joining me now to discuss the ongoing closures is University of St. Thomas marketing professor emeritus Dave Brennan. Welcome, Dave. What do you feel is the driving factor behind all of these department store closures? Well, I think when you start taking a look at department stores like Herberger's and Sears and others, what we find is they are very mature in what we call the retail life cycle. And that is that they've peaked and they're becoming less relevant uh, today than they have been before. And there are a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, the Internet is creating some issues. 
9.2% of all retail sales last year went to online shopping, and that's taken away from bricks and mortar stores. Secondly, uh, what we have is the merchandising, both in terms of bricks and mortar stores as well as online, are much more specific and are meeting more the consumer needs. Thirdly, the consumer today, their behavior has changed. Uh, it's much easier to shop around online than it is to shop around in stores. And this has led to the fallout with uh, shopping centers, uh, particularly regional malls, becoming less relevant and more challenged today. And that's why we have seen one go out of business here in the Twin Cities and likely we'll have others over the next decade or so. And I have to ask, do you think, too, you talked a little bit about our behaviors are changing and do you feel that this has something to do, let's say, um, between the baby boomers uh, compared to millennials and Gen Z on how we shop? Well, I think what's happened over time is that we have... We used to shop around, that is, go to a regional mall and perhaps visit five, six, seven stores uh, for putting together an outfit or to make sure that we're buying the right thing that, that fits our, our particular needs. Today, the shopper goes into a, a shopping center or a regional mall, and they only go to a couple of stores. So we've become, instead of shoppers, we've become buyers with very little uh, comparison shopping. Having said that, that's the behavior in terms of bricks-and-mortar stores, but online people are, are visiting a number of websites where they can do direct comparisons without having to go to a shopping center. And do you think we've become, I, I, maybe this isn't the best word, but have we become lazy or are we just figuring out our time can be used uh, more wisely? Well, some would say that uh, we, you know, they never, we never create any more time on one hand, but shopping in that process has become relatively less important than it has been in the past. We can see what's happened in terms of the convenience factor uh, in terms of delivery, and it was it used to be delivery within a week, now it was two days, same day, uh, even some of our, our uh, offering the capability of being able to deliver within one or two hours. And so I think that we've kind of fed on itself, particularly younger people who are willing to trade money uh, for that quick delivery. And so we are definitely into a very different mode of shopping uh, and delivery than we have been uh, heretofore. And when we look at the bricks and mortar stores, are, are these going to become a thing of the past or do you believe that a few will stick around? I, I mean, I know you don't have a magic eight ball. No, I, I, on the, I would not say that. Uh, bricks and mortar stores will be around. There are always people that are going to want to see, touch, feel, and get that bricks and mortar experience, which can't be totally duplicated by online shopping experience. Uh, on the other hand, will we see more online shopping? Yes. Um, and that is really growing at a, still at an incredible pace. Uh, last year, almost $425 billion was spent on online just for products uh, that are there. Does not include services, does not include anything like tickets for airplanes or, or 
any of the other kinds of uh, tickets that you might purchase. So, I mean, this is a huge transformational thing that's going on, not just in retailing, but our economy as a whole. And when we talk about our economy as a whole, are are people still opening up those pocketbooks and spending? Uh, They are. Uh, In fact, actually, uh, uh, this past year, uh, sales... uh, uh, generally go up at a rate of about 5% a year during the Great Recession. Uh, sale uh, Increase of sales actually declined to about an increase between 35 and 4% a year. That is back now to about 4.5%. So people are shopping. They are spending. Uh, and that, that's a good sign for the economy as, in the whole, but also for retailers. Thanks again to my guest, University of St. Thomas marketing professor, Emeritus Dave Brennan. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Ben Kyle moved to Minnesota from Belfast when he was 13. Since 2002, his soothing voice and delicately crafted music in the band Romantic Up have been a tonic to fans in Minnesota and around the world. But for the last two years, the man who brought comfort to so many through his music was suffering a personal nightmare trying to deal with a debilitating disease. As Romantica prepares to release Outlaws, a new album of previously unreleased highlights from the past decade, I spoke with Ben Kyle about the healing potential of music and his journey from the darkness back to the light. I mean, I've gone through over the past two years a very uh, sort of Deep dark valley with uh, with a mostly dealing with with Lyme disease, and so uh, it it really did it, it, in essence um, exiled me from from normal life uh, just because of the the loss of functionality I had both cognitively and and just uh, physically, and so uh, it really it really was in terms of even be, as very very simple practical things like being able to work on my computer communicate with with friends and family and people through, you know, phone calls and emails. And um, I couldn't do any of it. I, I couldn't I have five children. I couldn't even be present um, for them. So it really was, a, was a, a very, a long, very, very difficult and often scary journey. Uh, and I, I, I did feel completely separated from just the normal, um, you know, uh, sort of tasks and, and mediums of, of, of daily life. And so I think that's what, that means is the hope the hope is that here is that um, the healing really is is coming in a big way and and I'm hoping to get back in touch with with real life um, I already have uh, in in many ways with my family but I'm hoping to do that um, more with just the music and and um, and being able to get out and play and and uh, and put out uh, record and, and release more more music easy to the light To go gently into the good, good night. Ben, I think for a lot of us as listeners to music, and, and I know some who create music too can, can look at it as a sort of uh, therapy or something that helps soothe them. But I'm imagining if you were unable to create because of, of this Lyme disease and the impact it may have had on you, uh, that you wouldn't have had that ability to create music as a resource. And how, how much did that set you back? 
Yeah, I mean that, that that's true. I, I really um, for a long for quite a, a, a period there could find no um, well no joy in playing music. I wasn't even even beyond that. It, I was I was barely even uh, able to do it. You know, just to pick up my guitar and it was it was really a, a chore to even do it and all that I could do to get through some uh, engagements and shows that I had already scheduled and, and try and remember the, the song lyrics. And so, yeah, I mean, very difficult, especially like you say, when music can be such a powerful um, uh, tool for, for soothing and, and for, and for healing. And so for a while it was, um, I just didn't play much at all, but I did have a friend at one point really kind of emphasize to me um, how important it was to keep playing music, even though I didn't feel like it or it felt difficult to do. That there was something so important about allowing myself to do that and allowing my body to even to get into that flow state that happens when you're creating and singing and, and writing. Um, you know, it's like you're, you. I know in that process for me, my my whole body and mind sort of go to this other place where I'm not really worried or thinking about, you know, the sort of things of life right in front of me, but I'm just in, in this sort of creative space. Um, and I find that, that doing that and, and making just sort of an effort to, to make that part of my life and, and sort of daily routine really did make a difference in in the return of health to my body. I mean, I could feel in a tangible way when I would play the guitar for, for 15 minutes or half an hour and, and sing that my body physically was, was just in this. It was almost like it went into the, the parasympathetic sort of rest and digest healing state in a very, in a more profound way than, you know, just uh, the not playing music. So or just resting. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know if that, that sort of answers the question, but I I've, I've find really, I, I mean, I always knew before that, that music is, is powerful and music is healing. And, you know, um, I've had that, certainly had people tell me that their experience on the other end of my songs and music. But I think to experience it myself, to be sort of healed in a way by my own songs or, or experience of playing and creating music and, and tangibly feel that, that sense of peace and healing coming from it was, was a new experience for me and, and very profound and really just gave me a deeper sense of the gift that it is to be able to, to play, you know. Very good, Ben. Well, Outlaws is released on June 8th. You're having a, a performance to celebrate the release of that album a little bit earlier than that at the Fitzgerald Theatre on Saturday, May 5th. Is there anything else you want folks to know, Ben? You know, I just want folks to know that, that life is really, really, really good. <laughs> um, and, and I know that might sound silly or, or, or uh, you know... Um, Coming, but but it, but coming from somebody who's who's nearly lost it all, um, you know, I just uh, I hope I, I hope that there's not another day in my life where I don't wake up and just you know receive the gift and, and realize how good it is to be alive and just just really um, you know be grateful for the for the, the, the simple things. Um, so I guess so yeah, if there's anything uh, I want to leave with people with, it's just I just want to remind you all. Um, how amazing life is. Thanks again to my guest, Ben Kyle of Romantica. Minnesota Matters returns after this.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Vikings began voluntary on-field workouts this week at team headquarters in Egan. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm was there and has this report. New Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins says the first week of voluntary team workouts has been good so far. It's a dream come true to have this opportunity. I really enjoy the locker room, the coaches, the facility, the city, the people here. I'm driving home from work every day with a smile on my face, excited to get back uh, to work the next day. So I think it was everything we were looking for in in free agency, and now it's just about becoming a better quarterback, a better football player, and and, uh, fitting into this team. Cousins says he'll ease into a leadership role and make sure he has command of the team's offense and the players. If it's forced, it's not genuine. So it's just a process. You understand that the very first day you're not going to uh, you know, you're more like the rookie, and that's okay. You know, we're building towards week one in early September, and and uh, until then it's just constant development and, and building and taking steps as a player and as a leader. And, um, you know, you just have patience and you trust the process and, and understand that uh, if you just keep coming in here every day with the right attitude, the right mindset, engaged, uh, you know, take it home and spend time as homework, getting better, that uh, over time, you know, the leader comes out, the personality comes out, and, you uh, and you'll be ready to go when it's go time. Cousin says he's enjoying getting to know Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs so far this offseason. Just got a smile on my face from ear to ear. Obviously, Adam and, and Steph are the two that uh, everyone knows about. And, and uh, you know, thus far, with the little bit of work we've done, they've lived up to the hype as well. I've had I've been fortunate enough to play with some great receivers, and it looks like they're right there with, with any of them. So I'm um, very excited for that opportunity. They're going to make me a better player. It's great to work with veteran players like that who have had success, know what it takes, and I, I can more or less, I mean, it's oversimplifying it, but can just plug and play as opposed to uh, having to do a lot more than that. Cousin says he knows people have high expectations for the team after he signed that big money deal in the offseason. You know, it is what it is, right? I don't want to be on a team with low expectations, do I? I think that it's it's a part of playing in this league. There's pressure on everybody. It would be immature for us to focus on the expectations. I'm just focused on being the best quarterback I can be today. I'm trying to have a great Tuesday and uh, finish today right and then go home, be with my family, and then focus on having a great Wednesday tomorrow. And that's where my focus is. You know, the rest will take care of itself. And if we do our job each and every day and having the best OTAs we can have, then the results that everyone's looking to see and care about you know, in the fall, those will take care of themselves. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, of course, missed most of last season with a knee injury. He says that injury is healing right now, and it's good to be on the field working out with his teammates. I feel great to be back out there with the fellas. That's first move. That's first off to go back out there with my teammates. You know, it's always fun being on the field with them. You know, so that time that I that I had off, you know, I had to take a break from football and just sit back and you know learn more about the game. But being back out here with the fellas, having fun, that's what I love to do. Cook says it's been a long road back from that knee injury, so he likes being on the field and doing drills. It's a process, you know, it's a journey. You know, it's something that you got to, you know, trust yourself and know that, you know, you did everything that you and your power to, to get your knee back to where it's at. And, you know, I, I attacked this thing every day and I did what I needed to do, you know, to get to this point. So, you know, I had no doubt when I first touched, touched the field that, it was you no know, where I wanted to be at. That said, Cook knows he still has a long ways to go to be ready for an NFL ball game. It's a lot that I have in front of me, you know. We just out here just on air. So, you know, once I get back in front of a real, you know, defense or anybody in front of me, you know, that's when you know I need to be ready for that. So it's a lot in front of me. Cook says even though he missed most of last year, he was thrilled to see the team have the success it did. I was so happy for him, you know, every game. I was laying in the bed, about jumping out the bed. So, you know. I'm proud of those guys of what everything we accomplished last year. You know, it just was a stepping stone for the whole organization. You know, 
the ceiling is high for us. You know, we just got to keep working, you know, from now on. They made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, which ended in a loss. And cornerback Xavier Rhodes says they're not looking back. That was the end of that season. We're on to a new season. You know, uh, we're looking forward to trying to go far as further than what we went last year. You know, we're not worried about what happened last year. We're not focused on what happened last year. You know, we would have been happy if the outcome of the last year would have been different. But um, at the end of the day, we just just trying to move on and have a new, have a different attitude and have the same goals. Rhodes says he's excited about the offseason moves the Vikings made, including getting Kirk Cousins, but they also can't rest on their laurels. I mean, that happened on every ball club. You know, um, they make moves to try to focus on and try to get to that one goal and let's go to the Super Bowl. You know, we made a few moves as of this year, but of course I'm happy. I mean, I'm not the guy in the front, front office making a, making a doing anything special, you know, or doing anything, but I'm, I'm happy with whatever, because whatever they think, whoever they bring in, I'm going to believe that they're going to take us to a, you know, take us to, you know, we, as a team, we have to make them feel comfortable here so we can go as far as we want to go. Rhodes says the team needs to keep working hard this offseason into the fall. We always try to improve, always try to, um, you know what I'm saying, try to get your team as complete as you can. So it was. It, I feel like the moves was great. You know, I can't tell you now. We focus on getting better at this time. You know, we'll know once the pads get on. We'll know where we at, where we stand at right now. But as of right now, we're trying to become become one. Trying to get uh, you know, the chemistry's going, which we've been together for so long. But we have new guys. We try to get them guys into the mix. Try to help them understand how everything goes here in Minnesota. The offseason's really just begun. There'll be OTAs, training camp, fall camp, exhibition games, and then the regular season opener in September against the San Francisco 49ers. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.